and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined again by Jade Burke, editor of My Grapevine. So welcome back, Jade. Great to have you on the podcast again. How are you? Hi, Sophie. Yes, good to be back again for another week. All good, thank you. Hope you are doing well as well. Yes, I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, The topic for this week's podcast is going to be about Spain and the subsequent quarantine rules. So on Saturday last week, the BBC reported that holidaymakers returning to the UK from Spain would have to quarantine for 14 days after midnight on that Saturday. The UK government's decision came following a spike in the number of coronavirus cases in the country, with more than 900 new cases reported the previous day. At the time, a spokesperson from the Department of Transport told the BBC, protecting public health is our absolute priority and we have taken this decision to limit any potential spread to the UK. We've always been clear that we would act immediately to remove a country from quarantine exemptions list where necessary. The quarantine measures currently apply to those returning from mainland Spain, the Canary Islands and the Balearic Islands, such as Palma and Ibiza. During this quarantine period, people must not go to work if, for example, they can't do their job from home and they shouldn't have any visitors except for those who are providing them with essential levels of support. And a recent article by Metro reported that the Foreign Secretary, uh, Dominic Raab, was insistent that Brits shouldn't be penalised by their employers for having to quarantine. However, some lawyers have laid out different various considerations for employers and HR departments. Therefore, we wanted to dedicate this podcast to finding out things such as whether employees who are self-isolating need to be paid, how to tackle the conversation if employees still want to go on holiday to one of those destinations, and also the problems that may arise if employees can't work from home when they return from abroad. Yeah, I think there's some really good topics for us to explore today. And I think probably what's perhaps so concerning here for employees as, as well as employers is that this new rule came into effect, I think it was less than six hours after it was confirmed, which I'm sure left many holidaymakers who had left their worries of work behind, you know, that made it even more concerning for them, I'm sure. Plus, now that there is also a risk of receiving a a fine ranging from around £1,000 to over £3,000, if they choose not to self-isolate for 14 days when they return back to the UK, there are many questions employees will likely be asking, I think, around whether they will be paid by their employer, for example. Of course, at the moment, it's a very uncertain time for everybody and a lot of people will probably have uh, financial worries. So I think the first question really to address is whether employers actually need to pay employees if they are self-isolating. Jade, do you want to just run through some of the bits that you found out? Yeah, so today, before the podcast, I spoke to Philip Richardson, partner and head of employment at Stevenson's, just to try and get some clarity on this. And he told me that employees who are undertaking post-travel self-isolation would be at risk of receiving no pay whatsoever. So he told me the government's quarantine measures are likely to cause a significant headache for both employees and their employers. Those who find themselves having to quarantine for 14 days are relying on the goodwill and understanding of their employer to support them on their return. 
However, for those unable to work from home, there is a real risk of going two weeks without any pay whatsoever. Unfortunately, there is little protection for these workers and no guaranteed right to statutory sick pay if you're isolating at home for the sole reason of travelling back from a foreign country. While employees uh, who are self-isolating as a result of overseas travel may not be entitled to receive their paycheck, Richardson noted that more needed to be done to cushion the blow, so to speak, for employees by keeping them up to date, for example, with policies regarding this matter. And um, of course, I think maintaining communication with teams during this time has been critical and it's also been supported widely. However, various studies and research has highlighted that regular communication has been tricky to achieve during this time, I guess purely because people are working remotely. So, for example, a study conducted by Forcom found that 24% of those currently working from home say maintaining communication with colleagues is the biggest challenge they have faced while working away from the office. And um, when speaking to Richardson, he, he added, given the nature of this pandemic and speed at which decisions and interventions are having to be made, more must be done to cushion the blow for those workers who are hardest hit as a result. And I think that kind of leads us on quite nicely into the next kind of exploration in this podcast, as in what about those employees who are still willing to travel or planning to travel? And I think, Sophie, you've got some kind of exploration into that. Yes, definitely. And as you say, I think it's definitely an area that HR practitioners will be interested to hear about is those employees who are still planning to travel, despite the news that when they return, a two-week quarantine period will be in place. And I imagine lots of Brits out there have booked a nice trip to Spain in the coming weeks, but are now faced with a dilemma of whether they can still go on a holiday or whether it should still go ahead because of the new measures that have been put in place. According to the aviation data analyst Sirium, as was reported by Metro, a total of 9,385 flights are scheduled to leave the UK for Spain between July 26th and August 31st, which essentially equates to approximately 1.8 million seats. So the likelihood is, and this echoes the words of Richardson earlier, it will cause a headache for a number of employees, for example, if they're booked to go away and also for employers if they have to factor this in when approving holidays. And with research from SpanUp finding that British workers feel the need to take a break at least every 43 days to avoid burnout. And of course, with a lot more leisure, hospitality and travel sectors now reopening, it is really, really unsurprising that employees are still desperate to get away and relax and enjoy some time in the sun after a couple of difficult months during lockdown. So in order to find out how the HR department can tackle the situation of employees that are still planning to go ahead with their travel, I spoke to Laura Kearsley, who is a partner and solicitor in the employment team at the law firm Nelson's. She said that if an employee has plans to travel to Spain before the 9th of August, which is when the changing rules is set to be reviewed, HR professionals and employers should be actively communicating with the staff members before they go away to come to some form of agreement about how their quarantine period will be dealt with. So she explained to me, If they are able to work from home upon their return without any impact on the business, you should permit this. However, if this isn't possible, you must decide whether you will allow extra leave for this period. Ultimately, the decision rests with you as to whether or not you do this or whether you ask them to take that time as unpaid leave. And after these measures were imposed, the UK government asked employers to be sympathetic to any staff members who may be caught up in this. However, Laura did say that there is no legal 
requirement essentially for employers to do so. And she finished off by saying, if a plan is not agreed before your employee travels and they have to quarantine when they're due back to work, this is classed as being absent without authorization and can be considered a disciplinary offence. So a key takeaway here is that for both the employee and employer's sake, coming to an agreement before the staff member travels is absolutely crucial. One thing that Laura did say is allowing staff members to work from home where possible is ideal, but for those in some roles, this won't be possible. So in the instance that that happens, Jay, what is the solution? What have you found out? Yes, I think obviously, as you mentioned there, I think it's important to point out that in some instances, employees may physically be unable to work from home. So for example, those who work in a retail store or a restaurant. Due to this, if an employee with one of these industries decided to go abroad for a much needed break, and were then required to self-isolate upon their return, they would likely be unable to do so, meaning that employee may go without receiving any pay. However, with recent statistics highlighting the growing figures of employee burnout, so for example, LinkedIn's Glint recently revealed that burnout doubled from March to April 2020, which just actually, I think, signifies the importance of encouraging staff to take time off from work during this time in particular. And this is supported by Claire Brooke, an employment law partner at Aaron Partners. And she actually told me, employers should encourage employees to take regular breaks from work for the mental and physical well-being of their staff and the productivity of their workplace. Now, while this should be encouraged, Brooke did explain that employers are able to dictate which dates an employee chooses to take off meaning that employers could have a certain amount of control, for example, over when staff choose to go away in the year. And this may allow them to, I guess, sway staff to go away at a time when perhaps quarantine measures are less strict, for example. And Brick explained to me again, if an employer wishes to restrict holiday, whilst it would be inappropriate to seek to restrict employees from booking holidays abroad, an employer can, subject to the contractual terms in place and compliance with the WTR, dictate the date that holidays are taken and under the WTR it can issue notice to an employee not to take annual leave. So I think that that kind of gives us a, a good outline there of what of what can be done and what should be done in terms of employees going away at this time. I mean it's definitely something that employers and HR departments are likely to face in the coming weeks. So I guess as has been highlighted a lot throughout the advice that we've received is communication is key. But unfortunately that's all we've got time for today. HR Great Fun wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market-leading research papers. So to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com. Thank you.